W263AI Murfreesboro. W270AF Murfreesboro. WGNS Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 817, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning. And in studio with us this morning, we have guests who are from Oakland's mansion here in Murfreesboro, a place that has a lot of history for sure, to say the least. And with us, Executive Director James Manning and Education Director Mary Beth Nevels. And I guess you guys are going to be talking a little bit about some upcoming events, including a virtual event. I guess this is the first virtual event you all have done, really. Or the first big one, at least. It is, Scott. Yeah. It is. And we're excited about it. The virtual candlelight tour of homes is the best way for us to keep this Murfreesboro annual tradition alive for, what is this, 37 years 37. and counting. Wow. And uh, we want people to be able to still see the homes in, in Oakland's, too. And this year, the Rutherford County Courthouse. Now, this candlelight tour that's going to be virtual, how are you doing it virtual this year? What What is the plan? Our videographer is Nathan Carroll with Carroll Multimedia. And if you go on Oakland's website, we've got a page dedicated to our museum videos. And he's done a number of them for us already and does an incredible job. And so we wanted people to be able to still see Oakland's and these private residences. And we usually use churches or other historic buildings in the community that are included as well and so nathan and i went to all of the houses that are going to be on the tour they were uh, dressed in their holiday uh, trimmings just like they always would be and he takes his camera and sort of runs up the front steps like you're walking quickly up to the house and then the doors come open and you uh, go through the house and see architectural elements and christmas decorations and maybe meet some of the pets that live there this year was uh, one of the exciting things that uh, we uh, people love our cat at Oakland's Fanny Manny we always joke that nothing will get as much social media attention no matter what we do as if we put up a cat picture but uh, Fanny made an appearance in the video this year and so did one of the other homeowners dog Jack so uh, they're the stars of the show this year but the houses that are on Main Street and in historic downtown are important to our community and a lot of our residents don't get to see them unless they go to a fundraising event there and there haven't been very many this year so this is a great way to get for our homeowners that love to share their homes to get to share them with the community. James what are some of the age ranges of these homes that are going to be featured? I believe Oakland's is the oldest one that's on the tour this year. Most of them are on Main Street, and most of those houses are constructed in the early 1900s. Um, the Darrow Mansion will be on the tour this year, and that was George Darrow's home that he built when they moved out of Oakland's. Um, it's built circa 1911. Um, Big Holly is on the tour this year, and it's associated with Oakland's right in front of it. It was um, a later home of the Manny family, and it's an early house as well. So what, what year was Oakland's actually built? Do we know a, an exact date or 
I guess, an approximate date of what year? That's part of the fun story, too, is the Manny's worked overtime at leaving us no records. So everything that we know just about from uh, comes from public record. And the census record tells us that they were living there in 1820. Um, Sally Manny inherited that land in 1815. So that's our range. We've used 1815 or... Um, 1815 to 1820 as the um, anniversary date. This is the 200th anniversary of the construction of Oakland's because we know it was standing by 1820, and this is 2020. A lot of mystery there with Oakland's in. <laughs> it is. It is. You would think that being a house museum for 60 years, we'd have all the answers, and that's far from the case. Well, did the family purposely try to keep some of that quiet over the years? Or? Possibly. Um, there was a Manny family newsletter that uh, is no longer in print that we used to get, and I remember reading in it one time years ago that the Mannies had a family tradition of appearing in the paper once when they were born and once when they died. Um, but there may be a journal, um, there may be some other form of a diary or a treasure trove of first-hand letters that's just waiting in an attic right down the street or in California where their descendants moved. Um, things come to the surface occasionally, but the first-hand documents, letters that were written to and from the residents of Oakland's um, are mysterious. They have not surfaced. We don't have any information about Dr. Manny's medical practice. He was a physician. We have no medical records. We have we don't know where he practiced, when he practiced, um, and there's so much information that we hope to learn. Um, when Oakland's was first renovated and became a house museum in 1959 uh, the focus was entirely on the civil war time period that was the period of interpretation and so research into the later families that lived there after the Mannies in the 1880s and beyond the darrows the roberts the jetons um, those stories weren't explored then but now we want to know uh, as much as we can about everyone that lived or worked at oakland's from the beginning uh, when Native Americans would have been there on the site before it was uh, settled by um, plantation um, builders and um, till much later to the last residents left in the 50s. And so, the house was sort of a weird, uh, used by Rebecca Jatine primarily as um, a boarding house. She rented out rooms in the house and stayed in the kitchen in the back. It's a, a very big house for sure. Was it the biggest house you know between the 1800s and early 1900s here in the rutherford county area oh prob probably not it there are several plantation houses that are gone now that may have been close to as large grant ones grant ones one and two and then there are quite a few italian houses in murfreesboro that are related to oakland's um the woman's club um it was dr basket's home and it was probably the same architect. Another mystery at Oakland's is there's no documentation of the architect. Um, the basket house is Richard Sanders, and we believe that he was architect of Oakland's as well. And that Oakland's is 9,000 some odd square feet. There were quite a few houses by that scale. That's big, especially mm -hmm. for back then. I mean, it's big today, of course, but back then, a mansion, I mean, that's that's huge for back then. You know, because most houses back then, you're looking at like a, like a one bedroom house, and kids would sleep in the living room while mom and dad slept in the in their one bedroom. You know, I mean, things were different back then. Uh, and that's part of the fun story about Oakland's is that uh, most of those other houses in this area that were that big were built to be a big house. Oakland's was not. Oakland's evolved in construction phases. And many houses of all points in history have had additions, but not like Oakland's. It was built as a two room brick cabin. Uh, and then they added on to the side of it. Then they added on top of it 
and then they added on the top of it again that original structure of the house has been built on top of twice and everything that you see when you come up the driveway is the final addition by the second generation completely uh, eclipsing the original structure um, so the house gets older as you go back now when you're there taking the tour of oakland's mansion there's a little building out front that has a lot of medical supplies in it was that actually used as a doctor's office at one point no um, the Lytle building was moved uh, in the 1970s from the Lytle plantation. It was the plantation office there. And the goal was to depict how a doctor's office might have looked at the period. But again, we don't know where Dr. Manny practiced. It certainly wasn't in that building in the front yard. Um, and it no longer has any medical instruments in it. There in the mansion, there's a, the original two-room structure that I was telling you about, the Holland Parlor House. It had one large room and one smaller room that also has an outside entrance. It still has an outside entrance. And that's the room that we have the medical instruments in. Um, most doctors didn't treat patients within their house but dr manny was retired by the time of the civil war and certainly beyond and probably treated some family members if anybody at all and so that's the way that the house is displayed is there are the basics of a medical uh, a medical practice there um, we've got some of his furnishings and some really impressive early Tennessee bookcases that were probably Dr. Manny's um, an early lounge chair that was likely his plantation desk so we've got several pieces that are uh, original to the house and to his early tenure there and that's very well how it may have been used but the function of each and every room within the house is uh, in is our best guess because we don't have a diary or a journal that says this is how they use the rooms. Uh, Adeline's daughter-in-law, who was much younger than her husband, reported that Adeline moved the dining room across the house because she couldn't stand the smoke from the kitchen. And that's one of the only indications that we have of how they use the rooms. The rest of it is, is best guess based on typical plantation Talking about Oakland's mansion here in Murfreesboro this morning. Now, the original plantation land that went all around Oakland's mansion was how many acres? Originally, it was 274 acres. So that's that would, what Sally man, that's inherited huge. from her father and moved here, but they immediately started buying acreage around them. Um, they were land speculators, so there's no answer as to how big Oakland's plantation was because it evolved constantly. They built the first subdivision in Murfreesboro off their property. They had sold part of it to a brickyard. They bought and sold all the time. Um, we think they owned nearly 1,500 acres in Murfreesboro with all the plantations that would, or the farms that would have been owned by cousins and in-laws. So if you're standing in front of Oakland's mansion, you look to the left, that area to the left just beyond the tree line there is where the city, I believe, is developing new project-related housing is there a chance of artifacts being found while they actually work to develop that area highly unlikely because there's no archaeology being done um the public housing was built in the 50s and in the 1950s there was a city park in front of oaklands and the only city of murfreesboro swimming pool was there then public housing was under construction in the rear so the mansion was just left vacant to be vandalized very heavily um, and then in 1959 it was scheduled for demolition they had demolition equipment on site so the land that was used for public housing was very heavily graded in the 50s um, and it's been very heavily regraded now and we've 
certainly uh, drawn it to their attention that if any artifacts are to be uncovered, it would have to be something large and sizable, I would think, for someone to even recognize it. Um, if it's something like pottery fragments or shards, we'll never know about that. Now, I, I remember the pool that was built out there, I guess, by the city of Murfreesboro for the Parks and Rec Department. And that pool was used by especially kids all over the area here in Murfreesboro. But when was that actually, I guess, covered up? Goodness, I don't know a year. Um, they. Maybe that sounds like she they, might know. <laughs> when they opened Sports Calm in Patterson. Okay, so that'd be in the 80s, like mm-hmm. mid-80s or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there is so much history there on the grounds of Oakland's mansion. I think a lot of folks don't realize all the history there, especially when it comes to the plantation, because slaves were there too, correct? Yes, of course. Um, when Colonel Murphy died without a will, he was a land speculator. He had uh, tens of thousands of acres. The Tennessee State Legislature divided his land holdings because he died without a will. Um, and his oldest daughter, Sally Hardy Murphy Manny, was living in Murfreesboro, North Carolina, um, with her husband, Dr. James Manny. And she inherited the 274 Kerlin grant, um, some money, and enslaved people. And they moved here with those enslaved people, and they had them begin building the house. So they dug clay on the uh, out of the ground, built kilns on the property, fired the brick and built the brick built the house um, brick by brick organically from the soil there on the site and there's a special african-american history project i think that's underway right now or has been underway and hopefully that's going to what reveal even more information and history uh, surrounding oakland's mansion exactly since we have not benefited from a lot of documentation um, it's been fantastic that at this point in history archives and repositories are beginning to put more information online and so we have um, a part-time employee and a full-time let's see now get her title correct in a second Audrey Krill is a transfer fellow um, in the Honors College at MTSU, and she's a part-time uh, tour guide at Oakland's Mansion, and she uh, completed the untold stories of the Manny family slaves, which the city of Murfreesboro recorded, and you can see it on their website and on ours as well. Just go to oaklandsmansion.org, go to museum videos, and you can watch that, um, and it is uncovering stories and telling um, the stories of the ch- people who were had the last name of Manny, who lived in Murfreesboro um, in 1870. She starts with the 1870 census. If they're at least 10 years old in the 1870 census, then they were living during the time of slavery, 1860, and had the Manny's last name. So almost inevitably, they were enslaved by the Manny family. Um, And then Audrey is now working on something like a naming project and that is about to be released soon on our website as well and she is creating a narrative for all the individuals that she can identify with those um, characteristics and we're about 50 individuals right now that she's created some form of a narrative for and through a partnership with the african-american heritage society of rutherford county we are um, planning a memorial and marking service for Section M of Evergreen Cemetery. That's where oral tradition indicates that the Mannies buried their enslaved. Uh, that was originally called Oakland Cemetery and was the city of Murfreesboro's public cemetery. But Section M um, was not used for 
modern burials because that was believed to be the nucleus of it to be the burial ground for the enslaved but we don't have documentation of that and i hope that someone will be able to find something um, that can prove that the mannies were burying their enslaved people there so this section m of evergreen cemetery was it actually on their property the mm-hmm. oakland's mansion property at the time yes uh evergreen is just right across the street from oakland's um you can imagine oakland's starting out on a 274 acre tract of land eventually most of their land stretched north and east of the property um matter of fact we believe northfield boulevard is named for the north field of the plantation but the cemeteries as you go in the main entrance to the back right near the modern day police station there's a, an empty section of land and there's a tin a metal obelisk and it's rusty and falling apart and it looks like it says carry on the bottom and it's at the corner of section m um evergreen cemetery's office burned in 1940 and they lost all their records so we don't have the benefit of any burial records before that but they believe that's a memorial to the enslaved and we certainly would love to find someone out there that knows it has handwriting on it that is no longer legible so hopefully there's photographs or um, a record of what's inscribed on that marker out there somewhere that we're going to learn about james manning executive director at oakland's mansion and also education director mary beth nevels with us this morning now, Mary Beth, I'm going to get to you in a little while <laughs> no, here because you got the wedding dress thing coming up, which is huge. But before we get to that, James, I noticed you said something that I thought was kind of interesting there when you were talking about uh, the, the cemetery and those who were buried there. You, you said that the slaves would have had the last name of Manning in some cases. Is most that- most commonly when um, someone is enslaved by a family, that family will choose their name. And if someone is bought or by another family, their name is often changed again. So that makes it very difficult for African Americans to research their family history. Um, it makes it uh, particularly more challenging. And certainly individuals could have been enslaved by the family and not had the last name Annie. They may not have changed all of their names. Um, we don't have any record of that. That would have been up to the family. Uh, Audrey has found um, one of the descendants whose name was James Manny. He was an enslaved individual uh, who was enslaved by a white man named James Manny. And the enslaved man, uh, after the Civil War, had a son, and he named him Louis Manny, the same as his enslaver, James Manny, had a son named Louis. So they're copying the family names, and we don't know what their motivation is. I would perhaps we'll find descendants of their family that may have record of that that could get so confusing so fast if you were trying to research your family tree you know that that would make it really tough absolutely now in cases where let's say the person was enslaved they kept that last name once they were free Mm -hmm. and then that last name was also kept years down the road Mm -hmm. does that tell us at all that well maybe the manny family was quite kind and more so appreciative to those who work for them as opposed to you know the negative slave stories that you hear all over the country not that there's a positive slave story but you see where i'm going Mm -hmm. was the manny family kind and and helpful and did they take these slaves on as as family almost we don't have any evidence of that some families leave property to their enslaved uh to their formerly enslaved people or um leave something in their will about them but the mannies did not not any that we found um they did sue one of their formerly enslaved individuals for use of a mule um he had been gardening after 
the war with the mule and the Mandy's wanted part of that uh, money back for the use of the mule. That doesn't so sound very kind. <laughs> we would love to say that the Manny, uh, people will ask us typically where the Manny's good to their slaves. And one answer is that it was never good to be a slave. It wasn't good to be kept in slavery. Um, so those signs of generosity, they haven't surfaced. Perhaps they will, or maybe they won't. Um, likewise, we have not yet found any signs of lynching or or hanging, but again, there aren't records that have surfaced. You know, it, history is interesting. You, you can't change it for the good or for the bad. You know, years down the road, it either happened or it didn't happen. But with cases where it's so hard to research to understand what exactly did occur back then, it makes it even more confusing, I think, for the general public. But at the same time, somewhat intriguing to want to learn more it makes you just want to figure out what did happen yeah, it's a puzzle with many missing pieces and you think that it's lost to history but it's not um just last week bill jakes um uh, shared with us a bill of sale from matilda manny that he found in his attic on manny avenue and audrey is researching the matilda manny's and so far has found four of them huh I can't imagine finding a piece of history like that just in your own attic. Mm -hmm. If you bought yes. an old house, you're renovating it. And then I've also heard stories about people finding money or other kinds of documents within the walls of their house when they go to renovate it. Have you had any stories tied to Oakland's mansion like that? Oh, I wish. <laughs> um, Oakland's, you know, when we open up a wall or open up the floor, we think maybe there's going to be the, the journal or the the family jewels or something in there and so far that hadn't been the case but maybe someday that would be pretty neat for sure <laughs> certainly uh, or old you know paintings of what oakland's mansion looked like so many years back and i'm sure even you... a photograph um photography was new at the time of the civil war and the mannies had a very fine home and quite enough quite enough wealth that they could have had an art a photographer travel here and photograph the house and likely did and that's not surfaced our earliest photograph um, is when george darrow owns the house and electricity has already been installed so there's lots to still learn and things that are still surface for those listening who don't know where oakland's mansion is tell us how to find it um, manny avenue was the driveway to oakland's and it went all the way to Lytle street where the road shifts now um, but if you uh, continue on Lytle, it comes to east main street so um, from the murfreesboro square just head towards mtsu Make a left on North Manny Avenue and take it until the driveway ends at Oakland's. Right now that time, 8.39. We're talking about Oakland's mansion here in Murfreesboro this morning. We are going to take a break for the news and find out what's happening around the country and around the world with CBS. And also a break to take a look at the weather and the traffic. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Mary Beth Nevels about the wedding dresses that are going to be on display at Oakland's mansion and how that's going to look this year. But... We'll cover all those topics in just a minute. Time right now, 839. You're tuned in to WGNS. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in this morning. This is David Kivanemi from Music World and Drummer's Den. Come in, take a look at the incredible display of instruments we have. Guitars, drums, keyboards, PA systems, just about anything you can think of for that musician in the family who maybe needs something a little special for Christmas this year. Come on by and see us at Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church in Murfreesboro, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. For this afternoon, we'll see mostly cloudy skies across the listening area with a high near 42. 
and then partly cloudy tonight and lows near 27. I'm meteorologist Nick Carlisle on News Radio WGNS. Right now it's 30. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Good morning. Still quite a bit of traffic volume continuing on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. Sure, we've seen a couple of wrecks out here this morning. Traffic still holding up at the moment as you head over towards Franklin, Williamson County on 840 and Highway 96. Hey, to cater your next holiday party coming up, call Prince's Hot Chicken or simply go online, princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 846, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning, and we're talking about Oakland's historic mansion right here in the downtown Murfreesboro area. And with us today, Executive Director James Manning and Education Director Mary Beth Nevels. And Mary Beth, starting with you this this next hour or this next couple of minutes here, I should say. Uh, we're not going to keep you on for another hour. <laughs> uh, but the wedding dress display has something that's really been a, a big hit over the years at Oakland's Mansion because you take in local people's wedding dresses, and some of which have a lot of history behind them, and you display them. But tell us about some of the wedding dresses uh, from the past displays that you've had. Well, they're all so unique. We have had the honor to display over 500 gowns uh, since we began in 2012. This is the upcoming exhibit uh, in January next month uh, will be the 10th anniversary. And I I can't believe that it's been that long, but um, all of the dresses have been so unique. The stories, personal, and uh, the photographs that the brides have shared with us or their families have been um, priceless so we feel honored to be able to share it with the community do you find in some cases a wedding dress was used let's say in the mid-1900s and then saved and passed down and then a daughter used it then a granddaughter used it we have had many dresses that were used multiple times that we've had on exhibit um one of the oldest dresses that we exhibited was in 1847 and it was used um, uh, at least one maybe two other times uh, after and we've had many other dresses that uh, were passed down generation to generation a lot of times it would have been maybe a mom 
uh, and then two daughters wore it, or it might have been grandma, mom, and daughter. Um, so it, they just get handed. And a lot of times uh, it was also the veil, maybe not the dress, but the veil that was handed down. Or it would be the veil that was missing, and they would hand down the dress, but each bride would get a new veil. Do you ever hear stories that come with these dresses? Like, well, so-and-so got divorced, and then it was used by so-and-so. They Mm -hmm. got divorced. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you ever hear these little (laughs) side stories? We hear a lot of side stories, and we we have had instances where we have listed the bride as anonymous. Uh, They they didn't want their name listed, but they still had a beautiful dress, and they had their own memories um, as to why they wanted to, to share it. Um, but there have been so many sweet love stories that have been shared with us through the 10 years. Um, and this year, um, different. Um, of course, it's a, a, a different time that we're going into. So we have made some, some changes. We're not going to have new dresses to the exhibit this year. We're going to have repeat dresses that we have enjoyed through the last uh, nine years. Uh, not only part of the Oakland's collection, but also um, highlighting the uh, historic clothing collection that MTSU has in the Department of Human Sciences. They have partnered with us every year. They have a wonderful collection of all clothing, not only wedding dresses, um, but uh, we've used throughout the exhibit years. Uh, And so this is a way for us to share our collection, their collection, and then some of our favorites from the past and we're going to focus on the um, earlier decades so this year the dresses that are going to be displayed is going to be virtual i take it no it's going to be in person but we uh, have made the decision to move it to the mansion uh, for the 10th anniversary Uh, in the past it's been in manny hall and it's beautiful uh, but uh, for the 10th anniversary we're going to move it to the mansion and um, just let the the beauty of the mansion and the the elegant dresses complement each other Uh, it will mean a bit of a smaller uh, exhibit but just as beautiful and heartwarming now is there a website people can go to to see all the past photographs of the past dresses yeah on our um, on our website oaklandsmansion.org there is a link to uh, the wedding dress exhibit Uh, and within that there are um, albums that you can get to from all of the past years and the stories and the photos. That's pretty cool. I can imagine somebody who's thinking about getting married, about to get married, they could go to that and get some really good ideas for a wedding dress. Well, not only ideas for a wedding dress, but also read the stories of you know some of these brides that have been married 50, 60 years. It's pretty neat stuff. Uh, but these wedding dresses... Uh, this year going to be inside the actual Oakland's mansion? Yes, they will be spread throughout uh, the rooms of the house um, along with their photographs and then the stories also. How do you go about finding the dresses or do people contact you and say, you know, I want to display this? (laughs) Well, they contact us year-round, email, phone call. Uh, Sometimes there's not a week that goes by that I don't get a a phone call of somebody. Um, But this year, um, since we are going to Um, go back to some of our favorites Um, we're just reaching back out to some of our current and past brides that we've had that's a neat idea for sure and again you can see the past dresses on the oakland's website it sounds like and then you can read stories as well about some of those dresses absolutely the stories are included and uh, you know the wedding dress exhibit when it began some people may not have realized that it was happening until three or four years into it and they missed those first couple of years 
so by bringing back some of our favorites from the past years hopefully they'll get caught up on on maybe if they missed a year um, have having one featured then so does Oakland's actually own a few of these wedding dresses or are they all owned individually by others we own a few we have a few in our collection mostly the older um, decades um, uh, just through the years that have been collected uh, so we are able to showcase our own dresses uh, and then the of course the ones from MTSU also how do you go about keeping some of these clean because I could <laughs> I, I could picture one from the 1800s you know it could yeah. have mildew on it or something I, I mean I could just see where it'd be kind of hard to make it look new again well we have an archive where we store um, our textiles and it's uh, temperature and humidity control and they're packed in acid-free boxes and wrapped in acid-free tissue paper um, so we we take good care of them do you ever have anybody bring you something that's let's say 200 years old and say look I, I don't know what to do with this but we want to donate it so that others can see it at some point but it looks horrible right now <laughs> yeah you have to be able to see the the beauty and not only the textiles but we get that with um, furniture um, dishes um, we do get people that walk in the door and they're cleaning out their homes or their attics and maybe they don't have anybody to pass it down to and so to to think about us and what we might need just to reach out and ask is a help because you never know there could be something that we're actively looking for uh, to help fill a hole in the mansion um, you know it, it might be a can't think of anything offhand but uh, uh you never know what we're looking for to make it feel more like a home um and especially if it's you know has ties to a rutherford county family and it fits the time period uh whatever we're searching for that room so when you take these items in if it's let's say a big item that's going to be displayed somewhere do you put a little marker on it that says you know this was donated by so and so and it was used in their family x amount of years no if it's things that are um, going to be part of the collection in the mansion not necessarily we do keep uh, the provence on them and the records and they're assigned a number so we can go back and look those up now of course with the dresses that have been on loan um, their donor names are included in the stories when they're placed on exhibit so you know when you walk through the wedding dress exhibit you will see if we know the bride that wore it you'll see their name and wedding date where they were married and then their story if we have it it all depends on what information was given to us um, when we received the dress sometimes you know if you're dealing with a dress from the 1880s it could have been a granddaughter that found it in the attic and they're not going to know about the wedding day and so we may not have a story to go along with it but even just to get to see the style of the dress and um, it may not be in the best condition but it still might have its own little story to tell history is so fascinating but local history i think is even more interesting especially when you can look at somewhere and say well i've been there it's interesting to know that that wasn't always there it, it you know at one point was a house or who knows what it was but it's just interesting to learn about local history well and even uh, what we found through the wedding dress exhibit is they're listing you know they were married at first baptist church or they were married at the catholic church or you know the locations that they were married maybe it lists where they bought their wedding dress you know they were um at the french shop or uh, um, somewhere down on the square so if we can tie in those local um, institutions into their story that's even better um, if we can mention you know where they 
went to high school, when they graduated from, you know, Central in the 60s or or whatever. Um, so what is the date that the uh, dresses will be on display? We open January 16th, and since it will be in the mansion, we're extending it through the whole month of March. Okay, so January 16th is the start of that through March, and then the candlelight tour of homes, when is that going to be? Because we have like two minutes left. We're going to release the candlelight tour of homes by December 20th, and anyone who makes any contribution of any size on our website whatsoever will get an email with a link to watch the candlelight tour. Okay, and the candlelight tour, again, is going to be virtual this year. You'll be able to watch it. Is it going to be on Facebook, YouTube? What, what is you'll it going to get be a, You'll get a link. Okay. So it's however you view that link that you get in your email. And so that is, is – now let me back up there. Does that cost money in order to, to watch that tour, to be a part of that? You have to make some contribution. And we didn't want to put a number on that because we wanted people to be able to contribute what they were comfortable with and what they're able to do. And it's any size whatsoever. You can donate 50 cents and get a link emailed to you on or before December 20th. And then you can watch that as many times as you'd like. People are planning watch parties with friends and family members. Adam's Place is getting their um, residents. Many of those are our members together in smaller individual groups to watch it. And so it's something people can really plan around. And to make that donation, is it as easy as you just do it online, enter your credit card or PayPal or whatever you use, and then mm -hmm. yes, hit enter? Yes. Yeah. When you go to oaklandsmansion.org, there's pictures that slide across the top, and there's one that'll say virtual tour. And there's a little box. You click on that box, it'll take you right to the page and, and walk you through it. And if for some reason you can't, then call us and let us help you go through it. Now, again, the virtual tour of homes, what road or intersection would that start at this year if, if we were to kind of look at a map of it? It's almost all on East Main Street. Um, the the Collier Critchlow Smythe House, the biggest, tallest house on Main Street that people are usually the most intrigued by, is on that tour this year, as well as its historic carriage house, which is on College Street behind it. It is no longer a carriage house. It's a private residence of John Murphy. Um, and so that's really interesting to be able to see what a house looks like now that was built to be a carriage house. That's the only one that's not either on East Main Street or Manny Avenue. Um, the tour will continue down Manny Avenue to Big Holly uh, and then on to Oakland's Mansion. Pretty neat. Again, Oakland's Mansion, and you can learn more about this. Oakland's Mansion, is it .org? That's right. Okay, so Oakland'sMansion.org. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Thanks, Thank God. you. Time right now is 9 o'clock. Stay with us. We're going to take a look at news and then also a check on the weather comes your way next as well. You're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning.